This is the Cafe Americaine Podcast. I'm your host, Chris, and uh, we're going to be talking about a lot of things tonight. Uh, one of the many things that we will be talking about is what I, what's actually going to be on this program. Uh, you can listen to me on Podbean, Stitcher, and iTunes. And also, uh, you can listen to my other podcast that I do. It's called Resonance. You can tune in with On The Wake Up Radio and listen to Resonance. And Resonance is on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, and YouTube. I believe there's another platform or two that goes along with that, but those are the only ones that I remember right now. Um, I met with a very good friend of mine this weekend, and there may be, there may actually be a rebirth of a show that I used to do. And this show was, um, I don't I don't know how to describe it, but it was unique because it started with politics and then it ended up in debauchery talking about penises and vaginas and what objects you can shove in various orifices. One of our early, early sponsors, uh, informal sponsor, uh, was the Chocolate Anus Company that you used to uh, take a mold of your butthole and then uh, they would make chocolates out of the mold and send it to your one and only for Valentine's Day. And across the year, too, uh, it was a great company. We used to uh, have a lot of good yucks about sending chocolate starfishes to everybody. Uh, so some of the things we're going to talk about tonight is uh, Beto O'Rourke, him and his lyrical stylings, and how the feminists are outraged over him. Uh, also... We've got more dirt on the Clintons and the Clinton lawyers and, guess what, former Obama officials. Because now the chickens are coming home to roost with a lot of this Russiagate bullshit. Uh, Trump goes off on Mueller, goes off on Steele, and then we've got Cohen and Russiagate coming home once again to roost. A lot of the stories are just that. They are stories, including, including Christopher Steele, author of the... Uh, very, very damaging Christopher Steele dossier, which, by the way, John McCain helped distribute. Thank God that piece of shit is dead. Um, uh, and we find out through Cohen's boss that, I mean, not Cohen's boss, Christopher Steele's boss, that he basically says this whole thing is full of shit. Uh, and finally, not finally, but one of the other things we'll be talking about is how Twitter is... Uh, engaging in shadow banning purposefully. It doesn't have anything to do with the algorithms that they claim are forcing the bans on certain conservative leaders. Um, it really is actively censor uh, active censorship, and they're, they are taking making sure that conservatives and Republicans do not have a voice. Now, that does not mean me. It just means that at the moment... The wind is currently blowing from the conservative side. Now, that could be hot air or just a wet fart. I don't know yet. Also, we'll talk about the New Zealand mosque shooting. But before we get to all of that, um, there was an article that caught my eye. And this has to do with a lot of what I talk about when it comes to frequencies and also how they are trying to create such an all-encompassing Big Brother environment that the human being cannot even remain hidden in any form, energetically, physically, mentally, uh, the way the human being could think, the way the human being should act. They're even doing studies now, and they're finding out that social media algorithms and trading 
platforms that rely on deep learning and artificial intelligence, they are now shaping the human consciousness and the social atmosphere of human culture. So the machines are actively taking over. And if you think they're not, then I've then you've got another thing coming with all of this because it's, it truly is happening. Uh, the Matrix is here. And Elon Musk is probably right that we've been in the Matrix the whole time, except at this point, we're starting to see cracks in the varnish. So there was an article, and where is it? The, the article's entitled Oligo Snoop, a non-invasive side channel attack against DNA synthesis machines. You listen to that article, you go, what in the fuck is that about? Well... I can read to you exactly what they're trying to do. Uh, and maybe I'll try. DNA synthesizers are fully automated systems with cyber domain processes and physical domain components. All right, so this basically means that they are creating artificial DNA and they're using the interwebs or something close to it for processes. However, these processes are being enacted out or enacted shit or acted out, <laughs> these processes are being acted out in the physical realms. So basically, we're talking about cyborgs, but on a gene level. Uh, hence, they may be prone to security breaches like any other computer system. In our work, and this is coming from, who could we say this? Uh, it doesn't say, because I don't have the full article in front of me, I'm just reading. Uh, part of a quote. All right. In our work, we present a novel acoustic side channel attack methodology, which can be used on DNA synthesizers to breach their confidentiality and steal va uh, valuable. All right. I'm going to try this word. Oligon nucleotide sequences. Hey, I did it. Our proposed attack methodology achieves an accuracy of 88% in predicting each base and is able to reconstruct short sequences within 100% accuracy by making less than 21 guesses out of 415 possibilities. Basically what this article is saying, right? And this is something that everybody should be paying attention to right now, especially with smartphones and the 5G network coming out and being rolled out, right? So the 5G network is basically an untested uh, network for your cell phone and also Wi-Fi and computing and all this other stuff. And the 5G network was also used, I believe, in airports to find out whether or not you were hiding something. It was the same along the same lines. So essentially, once the 5G network gets rolled out, anybody that has access to the 5G network will be able to see exactly where you are in your house at any given time because they can essentially see through walls or will be able to uh, thanks to also any sort of smartphones or Wi-Fi devices that you've had in your house. They're basically allowing it to ping and they will be able to map out where you are, what you're doing whenever they want and at what times. So they can see when you are in your little spank palace at 11 o'clock at night jacking off to some sort of pornographic material. Okay, so this is why the 5G network is important. Listen to me. What this article is telling you is that now they're able to pinpoint 
and read your genes, read your genotypes through sound and frequency. Just by the gene being alive and activated and functioning in its normal environment, they can now map out your genes. They can also tell which genes are deficient and what problems you may have genetically through sound and frequency. That's why this article is so important. Because they're going to map you out through sound and frequency. They're going to be able to take your DNA and genotypes and put it in a large database. On a in a national database. The FBI is going to love this. That's what we're talking about here. This is not a good, this is not a good thing. You should not be happy about something like this. There's no way that anybody should be able to read my genetics through sound. If you call me up, you shouldn't I I do not allow you to map out my gene structure and my genotypes through a phone call. This is not good. <laughs> this is not good. So the other part of this is that we can get uh, you can talk, start talking about Karelian photography, which is what it was developed uh, by the Soviets a long time ago. It's basically an aura that each living thing has. Uh, and when you take a picture of the with a Karelian, um, I guess, camera or, or with a Karelian technique, you can figure out. Uh, what kind of energy is emitted from certain things. So you can take a picture of an apple and it will emit a certain type of aura and with certain types of colors. Uh, you can actually, th this was one experiment that was kind of neat. Uh, it's almost like a phantom limb kind of experiment. So they took a leaf and they took a picture of it with a Karelian photograph or um, uh, via Karelian photography. And then they cut off a piece of the leaf and took another picture of the leaf and they found out that even though part of the physical leaf was gone in the Karelian photograph, uh, the aura and the essence and the energy of the cut off part of the leaf was still there. So you have like a phantom limb kind of situation. And also, you know, if you microwave something, it's, it, it, whatever it is that you microwave has even less of an aura. So there's less energy in it. The most abundant things with any aura has the least amount of interaction with cooking. So raw diets are really the most energetically beneficial to you uh, through if you're to believe Karelian photography, which I do. So it's along those same lines through this. We're finding out that they're tr going to start reading energetic and electromagnetic uh, emissions from the human and also be <laughs> map out your genetic structure. That's not a good thing, especially when you consider what uh i think it was air force 2020 which is quick fastly quickly approaching us uh the document was either i, I believe was air force 2020 or it was the project for the new american century where they wanted to create chemical and biological weapons weapons of mass destruction that targets specific genotypes 
So they can target the Slavs. They can target Muslims. They can target Africans, Chinese, Asian, Japan. You get the point. You get where I'm going with this. So if they're able to map out genotypes, then they can, <laughs> they can start using these weapons in the final showdown uh, and, you know, bring about the second coming. I mean, that's, that's where we're going here. The other part of where we're going here is slowly tapering off the population of uh, of humanity to only a certain amount of people that have the best genotype. We're talking about, you know, we're, you know, you may have, you may remember certain people in, uh, in the world's past, recent history within the last hundred years that had the same kind of idea on both sides of the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, they're trying to do that, and they, it looks like they're going to be successful within the next fifty years. So, we'll have to be on the watch or on the lookout for that. Uh, should I bring up Beto right now? And the no, I won't do it. All right. So the the New Zealand mosque. This this is a, an event that ha there's a there was a guy he recorded the whole thing. He runs in there. He's supposed to be a white nationalist, and he very well may be. Um, and he he had he did a what did he do? He did a GoPro on his on his helmet. He ran into a mosque and he killed a whole bunch of people in New Zealand in Christchurch. Now, Christchurch, for what it's worth, is not a very accepting community. You can, wa <laughs> you can watch uh, the comedic stylings of – I forgot her name. Uh, she did – she had a whole bunch of um, comedy specials on Netflix, and she is a lesbian. Let me see if I can find her name real quick. Just call me Typey. To steal a gimmick from another radio show. Of course, she does not come up. But anyway. Um, anyway, you can find... If you if you look it up on Netflix, which, which I could fucking do, right? Female comic Netflix uh, from New Zealand. Anyway. She's she, Hannah Gadsby, I believe. No, that's not it. Oh, it is. It is Hannah Gadsby. All right, so you can fire it up, and you can look up uh, Hannah Gadsby. She's not terribly funny, I don't think. Uh, and But, you know, in this snowflake-ridden world, she's funny to people who don't have senses of humor. Now, I think she should be a public speaker and not a comedian because she gets up. And this is I've noticed this about uh, comics these days is that they use some material, and then about halfway through the show, or three-quarters of the way through the show, they stop with the funny parts, and they start up on their soapboxes. Every time I say the word soapbox, you could take a shot. They start up on their soapboxes, and she talks about her life and how she was physically abused uh, as a kid and throughout her teenage years. And then she turned into—she didn't turn into, but she realized that she was a lesbian— she didn't go into a cocoon or a pupa and then all of a sudden burst out as a lesbian. Um, but she realized that she was a lesbian. And this had an immense impact on her because Christchurch, New Zealand, is not very accepting of people like that. And so she was physically abused and beat up and all this other stuff. So she's, she's got a good story. But she should not be a comedian. She should be a public speaker and then throw in some funny bits, not the other way around. Hey, I'm a comedian. It doesn't work. So this does not surprise me. This event, 
the New Zealand mosque shooting does not surprise me at all. So in the video, which is a GoPro, so it's almost like you're really there. You see on the guy's rifle, he's got inscribed on it. Uh, also, I think it was like ISIS things on it. And so you're thinking to yourself, if this person... <laughs> right? Okay, so let's let's really think about this. What was written on this guy's rifle? If I'm remembering this correctly, he had pro-ISIS uh, something on there. Yeah, no, he didn't. I'm reading all sorts of stuff that he wrote on his rifle. Uh, it's all crusade kind of things. 14 words. A slogan derived from a passage of Adolf Hitler's Mein Kampf. Now also alt-right. Uh, Turkophagos, Turk Eater, a nickname wild, widely used for Greek militias fighting uh, Ottoman Turkish troops, and so on and so forth. But he wrote things all over his rifle that he went in there and shot a whole bunch of people. Uh, it, it, now, the funny thing about this guy, we always have to think, whenever we hear something, a, a story like this, you have to think, okay, a lot of this is way too perfect. Everything is so aligned. And then magically, we've got the end result, which is what they wanted the whole fucking time, they being the powers that be. So this person runs into a mosque, shoots a lot of people, and then all of a sudden things change in New Zealand, which is what they wanted, which is what the powers that be wanted all along. For some reason, this guy's arrested, and he's giving a white power sign. Now, he, he wrote a manifesto, apparently, and it's all about trying to drive a wedge in American politics, so much so that he creates a civil war in America. Now, if he wanted to create a civil war in America, why did he start it in New Zealand? That I don't get. The second thing I don't get is, for some reason, he's in Turkey. Why is this person in Turkey? This does not make sense. If I had to guess, this person is probably a former contractor fighting for ISIS or some other Western-backed country that was in Syria doing all sorts of nasty things to innocent brown people. That's what I, if I had to guess, that's what happened to this person. And being that he was a contractor, more than likely, this, and he was the lone nut, the classic lone nut out there, more than likely, he was essentially mind controlled in some form or another. He could be electronically controlled. And you've got new studies that are out there that say that they can now implant voices in people's heads through frequency that people cannot hear. So they're directly putting voices into your head. It's a voice of God technique. So more than likely, this person is one of those individuals, if not a Manchurian candidate kind of person. Uh, so you're talking about that. Why? Why was he in Turkey? Really? Why is he in Turkey? Nobody can answer that. Seriously. He was also in Pakistan. And he said he loved Pakistan. The people are amazing. The media doesn't do it any just. Now, I happen to agree with him because I do have some Pakistani friends and I wouldn't mind going there for the food because I've tasted some delicious things. However, why is he in Pakistan? Why is he in Turkey? Seriously, really, 
this guy is as white as anything, and he's in countries like that. And then all of a sudden, he decides to go ape shit in a mosque, and nobody's asking these questions. He's just a lone nut. Of course not. Stop it. Now, the other thing that struck me as odd throughout this whole New Zealand mosque thing is there has been a massive social media blackout. There are people getting thrown in prison for years if they post anything about this video, anything about this guy's manifesto. So why is there a social media blackout? Why can nobody post anything about this person or post a video of this person's um, uh, what this person did on their GoPro? Why can't they do any of that? Why can't they post this guy's manifesto? That's what I don't get. It's written word. I mean, I'm pretty sure there are some fiction novels out there that are a little more dangerous than this person's manifesto. Unless, unless there are words, phrases, and sentences in said manifesto that would trigger other Manchurian candidates to go out there and create more chaos. That would be, if we're be believing the altruistic path here, then that would be my guess as to that. Also, naturally, whenever we have one of these lone nut situations where, oh my God, how could this happen? How could this happen to us? This is crazy. What could possibly go wrong? And, oh, on all days, uh, on all days of days, how could this happen to us? And according to the New York Times, they were speaking to Mr. Cahill. Mr. Cahill. Who the hell is Mr. Cahill? Chris Cahill, a detective inspector who is president of a local labor union for police officers down in Christchurch, New Zealand. Mr. Cahill tells the New York Times, normally it would have taken longer to respond to the mosque. Here we go. You know where I'm going with this, right? That, oh my God, miraculously, there was a training the same day focusing on the same type of event. Exactly. Mr. Cahill said it normally would have taken longer with team members summoned to a police station to suit up, meaning like SWAT team kind of people. On Friday, though, they happened to be in training session in the city center wearing their gear. He said any police force in the world to get to the scene in six minutes, a specialist team there in ten, that would be a success. Police in New Zealand don't typically carry firearms, much less dress and tactical gear, so officers holding a drill with all of their tactical equipment and weapons at the ready was a helpful coincidence indeed, writes the New York Times. <laughs> wow. Talk about synchronicity, right? Just so, just like 9-11. Yeah, we were doing a drill about hijacked airplanes. Just like Sandy Hook down the road, we were doing a drill about elementary schools being held up and, and having hostages with lone nut. Just like the Boston Massacre bombing, which bombing in quotes and massacre in quotes too. We were holding a drill about what would happen if there were And now this, we were holding a drill just, to, just in case there was a... You <laughs> so there's a lot of coincidence going on here. And there's been a lot of so we've got so okay so why is this happening? Let's ask ourselves this: What could possibly be the result and the real end game 
to this shooter, right? So in the past, I've ventured to say that a lot of these quote-unquote lone nuts were there, and they were part of the drill. Do you, oh, what was the other one? The Tsarnaev brothers, right? That was the Boston bombing thing. They were part of the drill. They weren't carrying anything. You had the, uh, the uh, who was it? I forgot what uh, quote-unquote security firm was working the event, and they were planting black backpacks all over the place. But they were they were carrying flashbangs. They weren't really d killing anybody. It was just really just shock and awe. So we've got the same thing here. I would not be surprised. One of the reasons why we're not allowed to see the footage from the mosque shooter is because he's coordinating with people. Other people. Meaning he's not a lone nut. Meaning he's part of the training session. Right? So you can't have, you can't have all of these lone nuts and have all of these police agencies and government agencies and, and defense industry, you know, you can't have all of these people performing exercises on the same exact day as these lone nuts go crazy, as the same exact day as hijackers crash airplanes into the world. It doesn't work. Somebody is pulling the strings from a very, very high point, and they see both sides of the equation here. So that's exactly what's going on here. So this person that got caught, I can't tell if he is part of the operation or somebody's pulling strings on both sides of it. Now, why would they be doing this? What is the purpose of all of this? The guy was using a semi-automatic. So it wasn't an automatic. It was a semi-automatic. And lo and behold, after this event, the, I think it was a prime minister. I think, I think they have a prime minister or I don't know, or president, whatever, whatever her name is. She comes out and says, you know what? Gun laws in New Zealand are going to be changed forever. Uh, here we go. <laughs> there we go. They, are me they want to take away guns from people in New Zealand. And a lot of people in New Zealand feeling very, very bad about the event and sorry for themselves decided to voluntarily, vol voluntarily turn in their weapons. Before the law even was enacted, they said, we're going to turn these. Nobody needs a semi-automatic weapon. It's going to the cop. And all the praise that the prime minister got from other world leaders across the globe. It was, a, oh, this person. She is here. She is. Who is this person, by the way? What's her name? It's going to bother me. Do a quick typing expedition here. Uh, but she was praised. She took leader. Oh, I can't even say that. Jacinda Ardern? A-R-D-E-R-N? She's not bad looking. Oh, whatever. So she was praised by other world leaders taking a, 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 a progressive approach and really, really taking the situation at hand to make New Zealand safe again. So the whole thing about this was they wanted a limited amount of casualties so that they could take away guns from, from law-abiding New Zealanders. Slower and slower, or quicker and quicker, you're starting to see countries outlaw firearms. Now, you have to ask yourself at some why are they doing this? Why is there a global effort to remove weapons and guns 
from law-abiding citizens. Why are they doing this? You seriously have to start asking these kinds of questions because there's no there's no altruistic reason here. You know, they don't believe that you <laughs> you should have a weapon. Now why? Why don't they believe that you should have a weapon? Why are they trying to take weapons away from you? That's the bigger question here. What's their end game here? What are they trying to really accomplish a couple of years down the road? I think that's one of the things they're trying to do in the United States. I mean, they try to do it all the time in the United States. But I think the United States is going to be a bigger nut to crack overall. Um, now, ultimately, I do believe that they're trying to remove weapons from people's hands. From, and the people that legally have weapons, I seriously believe they're trying to remove people, they're trying to remove weapons from people's hands so that any sort of takeover or coup can go uninterrupted, uninterrupted, uninterrupted. Um, and, and they'll, they'll have no real opposition to anything. I mean, ultimately, I think that that is the way, um, everything is going to be going uh, because you just see it more and more. I keep talking about it. there's an energetic shift that occurred. The chickens are coming home to roost. They're the, the gods, quote unquote, are coming back and they're going to if you read all the ancient mythology like i bring up time and time again humankind was not created as a species to be independent humankind was created as a slave species for the gods so the gods haven't been around a lot or they haven't been overt lately it's becoming more and more overt but they haven't been really overt lately at some point the veil will be lifted. And you're going to start seeing a lot more, a lot of bizarre things over the next hundred years as as the time, uh, uh, I don't know, as the sands in the hourglass fall. Uh, more and more, you're going to see a lot a lot of things that, are, that come out and a lot of horrible, horrible things. Just depends how you want to live through it. Should I bring up Beto now? No, I don't believe I'm going to bring up Beto right now. Uh, I'll talk about well. Beto has Beto is a beatnik down deep down. Um, he really likes poetry. He really loves his poetry, and I'll do a reading of it because I believe that my listeners should hear what broadcasting amazingness I'm capable of. So I'm going to read Beto's poem for you, and it will be a magnificent, magnificent event. But before that. Uh, there's, there's a couple of things going on and it's, it's going in reverse. The biggest thing that we've seen lately is that more every week we get this, especially from the Democrat and, and leftist side. Mueller's report is coming. Hey, 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 Friday afternoon, Mueller's going to drop the report. No, 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 no. It's going to be Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday the reports coming. Out. We've heard this for like four weeks now, five weeks and nothing's happening. And now we're hearing rumors that Mueller hasn't stepped into the office in about a year. And you've got some other pencil-pushing moron in there. Uh, Weissen, Weissman, Weisserman, Weiss, I don't know what his name is. Starts with a W, ends with, an a, with a man. You know where his allegiances lie. And it's not with Trump. And he's supposed to be the person that is that is out there really taking charge of all of this. Um, and Mueller is just there to rubber stamp everything that he does. 
so that that's where we're at here. And it's more and more people are starting to say, uh, Mueller doesn't have shit. And that's why you've got Schiff out there and, and Fat Nadler, that idiot. I mean, Nadler looks like a basset hound on his last legs. Those jowls are intimidating. Those things are flopping around every time he talks. You know he's thinking of a cheeseburger every time he's public speaking. So uh, more and more we're starting to see that the Mueller report is probably going to be a big whiff and a goose egg for all the Russia gators out there. And you have half of the population of the United States seething and frothing at the mouth. You know, we want, where's the, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? It's, I can almost promise you, if there's any Russian collusion, it is from the Democrat side. It's from the Clinton side. And I can almost promise you this. I can almost promise you this. Even people today, a U, no, was it today? Yes, it was today. Um, there was a Suffolk USA Today poll that says 50% of Americans agree that Robert Mueller's investigation is, in fact, a witch hunt. And that Trump has been subjected to more investigations than previous presidents because of politics. 47% disagree, saying that the witch hunt is, in fact, a real hunt. And 3% uh, don't have an opinion. So, I mean, what? my first question... To any poll that I see, especially one like this, is what is the margin of error? And this was a Suffolk USA Today poll, and they, they polled 1,000 uh, voters. And 1,000 is good enough to get a what they call a universe in statistics so that you can extrapolate your data um, onto a full population of voters. Uh, so if you get 1,000 people, you get an accurate representation of what the country is going to do. Now, if there's a margin of error there... Even within 2%, plus or minus 2%. If you've got 47% of people saying that it's not a witch hunt and the margin of error is 2%, that means up to 49% of people say it is really happening. And if the margin of error is 50%, I mean is 2%, plus or minus, and Trump is at 50% with his... Uh, with people supporting him and saying that this is a witch hunt, and it's negative 2%. Guess what? You've got a dead heat. You've got 48% of people saying that. It, it, so this statistically, this means nothing. Statistically, it means Democrats say it's not a witch hunt, and Republicans say it is. But Trump is out there saying that, yes, 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 whatever else. Now, there are other things that are important here. 30% of those polled express a lot of trust in Trump's denial. 28% said that they trust Mueller to be fair and accurate. So 28% of people think Mueller is doing an accurate thing. So a lot of people believe that something happened with Trump, but almost nobody believes that Mueller is doing the right thing. <laughs> so then what are you doing? Who's going to investigate everybody? Who's going to investigate the investigator? Who's going to investigate the claims against Trump? So Trump tweeted, and I'll read it, because what he's saying is pretty much uh, what I've been saying, because I'm ahead of the curve as always. So if there, and this is him, so if there was knowingly and acknowledged to be zero crime when the special counsel was appointed, and if the appointment 
was made based on the fake dossier paid for by Crooked Hillary and now disgraced Andrew McCabe, he and all stated no crime, uh, then the special counsel should never have been appointed and there should be no Mueller report. This was an illegal and conflicted investigation in search of a crime. Russian collusion was nothing more than an excuse by the Democrats to, for losing an election that they thought they were going to win. Perfect! He summed it up perfectly. There was no crime. They ginned up a lot of bullshit based on nothing, based on a bought-and-paid-for dossier, which, by the way, used Russian sources. Somebody was, quote-unquote, still active within the Kremlin. And they were the, those were the people that were supplying Christopher Steele with supposed information. <laughs> so, I mean, I could just imagine the guy. Is he fucking serious? Christopher Steele is going to ask me for information whether or not I'm going to... Well, of course. I mean, what is wrong with these people? Of course he's going to give you misinformation. Of course he's going to see where this goes. If you're contacting an intelligence person, a Russian intelligence person, then you... Of course he's going to give you shitty information, you moron. William Craddock also tweeted, Russiagate was designed in part to help the UK counter Russian influence by baiting the United States into taking a hard line against them. Leaves us all with a more dangerous world as a consequence. Just another episode of The Great Game. Exactly. That's exactly it. That is exactly I could not have said it more perfectly. It's perfect. Trump ri <laughs> So it all we also find out that Christopher Steele now if you get this, now Christopher Steele, this moron, I and mean, if you look at him, first off he needs a haircut. Second off, he needs a stylist because nobody is wearing this poofy eighties hair anymore. Christopher Steele was using CNN reports from quote-unquote citizen journalists from a defunct part of their website called iReports. So Christopher Steele was just going to Reddit where he came up with and found the joke uh, thread where Trump was going around looking for hotels that Obama stayed in so that Trump could piss on all of the beds that Obama slept in. That was on Reddit. Christopher Steele did, never came up with that. He found it on Reddit. Now Christopher Steele also puts in his dossier citizen journalists from a CNN website. These journalists were never vetted. The evidence was never verified. It was never looked into. He's literally Googling shit. <laughs> and he put it in a dossier. And also... He's contacting intelligence people or Russian intelligence folks, assuming they could be taken at their word. Are you fucking kidding me? And, and all of this is being paid for by Hillary Clinton and the Democrat National Committee through various bag companies and bag men. I, I, I mean, how is nobody looking into this? How is the mainstream media not being called to task to investigate all of this.
Where is Rachel Maddow and her stupid fucking glasses? Where is, uh, who's the other one? Brennan. Where's him and his bowling ball head? Where are all of these people? How come they're not holding themselves accountable for shitty journalism? What's going on here? I mean, well, we all know what's going on here. I mean, there's a fifth columnist coup. I've been saying this for three years now. So uh, on Fox News was reporting this. Steele made the awkward revelation during a deposition last year in a case involving Russian entrepreneur Alexeyev Gubarev, if I said that right, uh, who claims his companies Webzilla and XBT Holdings were defamed by Steele after the dossier was published by BuzzFeed, which is probably true. Steele was asked during the deposition how he verified allegations about Gubarev's company, companies and whether he found anything of relevance concerning Webzilla, according to the newly released transcript. We did, said Christopher Steele. It was an article I have got here, which was posted on July 28, 2009, on something called CNN I Report. So, <laughs> not only was he taking shit from a website, but he was taking things from 2009. 2009. To be used eight years later. I mean, are you, and nobody's saying anything about this iReport is a user-generated site. The stories are just that. They're stories. They're submitted and not edited by anybody. They weren't fact-checked. We didn't have fact-checkers back then in 2009. They weren't screened. They were just posted. They were un it's, it's unedited crap. And Christopher Steele is out there. Oh, yeah, we saw this on CNN's iReport. It is. It must be. Uh, a very valid story because it's on CNN's website. That's where. No, that's not how this works. No, no. And this is what <laughs> this is what the Democrats are saying. And this. So, I, I mean, it is mind boggling. That nobody is doing anything about this. I bet there are people doing things about this. It's all behind closed doors. I can almost promise you that's what's happening. But still, seriously, how come nobody's, like, out there raging in the streets about this? Even Christopher Steele's former boss in MI6, he says the dossier was overrated. Overrated. Sir John Scarlett made an appearance at Jamestown Foundation's 12th Annual Terrorism Conference in Washington, D.C., and this is reported by Ash Shaw from the Daily Wire. Uh, he headed Sir John Scarlett, the British Secret Intelligence Service from 2004 to 2009, and the journalist Nicholas Balassi, or Balassi, or whatever his name is, asked Scarlett what he thought of the Christopher Steele dossier. Well, Scarlett... And if, and if Sir John Scarlett, former boss of Christopher Steele, believed what was written in the dossier, and Mr. Scarlett said, well, no. <laughs> I don't believe what's in the dossier. <laughs> and he goes, I looked at it. 
And I thought, well, should I do it in a British accent? No, maybe. I looked at it, and I thought, these are commercial intelligence reports. That's not even a good accent, so fuck it. I looked at it, and I thought, these are commercial intelligence reports, meaning bullshit from websites. I don't know about the sources. They might be right. They might be wrong. And they'll probably be overrated. And they've been overrated. And then, <laughs> if uh, he was asked if the dossier could ever be verified. And his boss said no. Right there. Right there. He's telling you that the whole dossier is unverified hearsay. There has never been any evidence that has gone into the creation of the Christopher Steele dossier. None. Zero. Balassi asked Scarlett if he was surprised that Christopher Steele would produce the dossier using unverified information, lies and hearsay. Mr. Scarlet replied, well, there were commercial intelligence reports and there were visibly that. So there's a question of why they were there and where they came from and who commissioned them and so on. So I've tended to see them in that context and never quite of political significance for obvious reasons. And actually, if you think about it, people have talked about them in a really big way a year or so ago. And they haven't really made that much of a difference. As I said, I suspect all I can say is that they are overrated. Meaning Christopher Steele's intelligence sources are overrated. He wrote it on a wet napkin in crayon. That's what happened. And also the final jab. What, when asked about what Christopher Steele was like to work with, Mr. Scarlet replied... I'm not going to comment. Seemingly like he did not want Christopher Steele associated with MI6 in any sort of way because his reputation would tarnish the agencies. If I had to guess, that is the end goal here. Or not the end goal, but that's, that's what Mr. Scarlet was, was hinting at. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, there is just... Yeah. <laughs> The Democrats were yanked. The Democrats were colluding with Russians and foreign intelligence agencies to usurp power from Donald Trump, who won the election fair and square. And they decided to try and tank his presidency through nothing more than lies. And everyone else that's involved with this, Comey, Page, Stroke, Struck, whatever his name is, McCabe, Obama, many other people, Hillary Clinton, they all turned a blind eye and they took whatever the document said on face value. See, it's there in the paper. And John McCain, that fucking more, I hate John McCain and I'm thankful. I don't hate a lot of people, but I hate John McCain and I do not like his fat daughter either. John McCain was the one responsible for distributing the Steele dossier to Comey, to Department of Justice people, to other individuals within the Obama presidency. So then you have to ask yourself, 
was John McCain doing one last thing, knowing that he would die and knowing that he would never be held accountable and have the ultimate exit? Everyone's hands are clean because they got the dossier from John McCain and nobody can ask John McCain any fucking questions. Where did John McCain get the dossier from? How did John McCain decide who would get the dossier? Well, that's not too big of a question. But what was John McCain's motives behind this? Who was directing John McCain to distribute these dossiers? Because John McCain was essentially a vegetable. He's been a vegetable for a very long time, being kept cognizant and lucid through various cocktails of drugs. So what's up with that? So they all took it on face value to try and tank the presidency. And let me tell you something. Once the Mueller report is over with, even when it comes out, and an overwhelming majority, not an over, I think it was, um, I think it was a clear majority. I think it was 492 to zero in the House of Representatives that voted yes to release all of the information in the Mueller report. But even though if the Mueller report comes out with a big old goose egg, the repercussions of all of this is astounding. Think about it. The United States in two years. Now, a lot of this started under Obama, but within two years, we're on the brink of a nuclear war with nuclear powers across the planet. That does not happen with a lot of behind the scenes coordination, manipulation, propaganda, You know where I'm getting what I'm getting at here. There's an international organization that is trying to take out Russia and China at the same time, along with Iran. So you have to ask yourself also who would be behind such things. You've got that, and that's not going to go anywhere anytime soon. Whether Trump wins the next election or not, the new Cold War is here to stay, and it's going to stay for quite some time. If not if not ending in an all-out war. And you're, you're looking at the uh, weaponization of space as well. Now, there's an old, old, old article that talks about Werner von Braun. Werner von Braun being one of the people that were involved with, uh, that was involved with uh, NASA, former Nazi, uh, came up with ICBMs or was responsible for all that stuff. Um, he went out there on his deathbed, apparently, and said the first thing that they're going to do to try and weaponize space. Now, why are they trying to weaponize space? They are, um, to weaponize space is to claim that communism is going to take over the world, which we saw that. Then they're going to claim that it was terrorism, which we saw that too. Now, all of a sudden, we've got terrorists all over the place. Then they're going to claim that there are asteroids that are going to hit Earth, which we're starting to see articles about that right now. And finally, they're going to say that extraterrestrials are going to invade Earth and we need to weaponize space fully and completely. And this was somebody that died decades ago, a former Nazi, somebody that worked for NASA. He's saying these things. So until those items uh, actually occur with the weaponization of space, I really don't see the Cold War ending anytime soon. Uh, and all, I mean, think about the other repercussions to what has happened over the past two years with Donald Trump. I mean, all of these people, like, 
Maxine Wall, all these people that are nobody. They're they're losers. They're nothing more than slack-jawed losers and morons in, in the House of Representatives and in the Senate that nobody gave a damn about. Now, all of a sudden, they've got a name like Maxine Waters. I mean, she's a fucking idiot. I mean, just read some of her stuff. Read some of her tweets. I mean, I like the idea she's going after Deutsche Bank. But seriously, read some of this airhead's tweets. I mean, she's a fucking dolt. And Adam Schiff. Adam Schiff looks like his head is a hot air balloon, and it's being held down by that turkey neck of his through a collar that's too tight. Who else is in there? You got all these fucking losers. They, they're not going to give up their popularity. And being that they have the majority in the House, they're going to open up all these investigations, once again looking for a crime. I mean, this is not supposed to be the way things work out. Right. You're supposed to be, oh, here's something bad. We need to investigate. No, 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 no. Nothing bad happened here. You're looking for problems. You're on a fishing expedition here, which is illegal. All of this is the end. The end result of all of this is that they want. They want to go after Russia and they want to go after China. That is what this is all about. And they're gearing up for a war. I've spoken about this plenty of times. I'm not going to go into it now. So now we have former Obama. I'm going to get to the Beto poem. Now we have former Obama officials. This is great. I mean, this is uh, SarahCarter.com. She's a an, an amazing. I wouldn't say she's an amazing writer, but she she writes about amazing things. So SarahCarter.com. She's uh, she's well worth the read. Uh, Judicial Watch has been doing a lot of dirt digging um, when it comes to going after various Democrats. They're more conservative-leaning, if not the leading conservative uh, nonprofit, in quotes. Uh, a lot of it, of uh, basically what's happening is Judicial Watch is going after Hillary Clinton and her emails saying, what did Hillary Clinton send over an unsecure server, particularly when it comes to Benghazi? Because Ambassador Stevens died during an attack in Benghazi. And originally, they tried to run up the flagpole that it was just protesters, and they got out of hand, and they ended up killing an ambassador. No, that's not what happened. Uh, according to Sarah Carter, Judicial Watch is doing the heavy lifting on the ongoing Clinton email scandal, even as Congress dropped the ball and DOJ and State Department continue to obstruct our quest for truth. Tom Fitton, the president of Judicial Watch, told Sarah Carter, the court is in our or in our case wants real answers on the Clinton email scandal, which is why our request for basic discovery was granted. I have to look up the the definition of discovery in a court. You know, when you listen to to, to uh, people speak in a court setting, you hear all these fascinating words. Like one, I remember one time Comey said, "I will not answer that question in a vacuum." What what is what do you mean in a vacuum? Where are you that you're answering this question? What does that mean? What is the legal definition of vacuum? So, I mean, things like that. So the, the judge that's holding everyone to task is District Judge Royce C. Lamberth. And he ordered officials like Susan Rice, Ben Rhodes, Jacob Sullivan, 
and Priestap, former FBI official, who was involved with disseminating the Christopher Steele dossier care of John McCain. So Lamberth ordered the discovery because of a Freedom of Information Act request. Judicial Watch requested copies of any updates and or talking points given to Ambassador Rice by the White House or any federal agency concerning, regarding, or related to the September 11th, 2012 attack on the consulate in Benghazi. Any and all records, communications concerning, regarding anything with Ambassador Stevens. And then there is a slew of questions that they also ask, mainly, uh, did Clinton intentionally intend to evade the Freedom of Information Act requests by using a non-governmental email system? Yes, she did. And because she did, this is not new. Republicans were doing this, too, under Bush. They were using different email addresses and so on and so forth because they didn't want to deal with Freedom of Information Act requests. They all fucking do it. Whether or not the State Department's efforts to settle the case amounted to bad faith. Basically, did uh, Clinton have her toadies in the State Department uh, working in her favor? Whether the State Department adequately searched for records responsive to Judicial Watch Freedom of Information Act's request. So, whether or not they actually dragged their feet or did they just look around the room and say, I don't see anything on the table within reading and distance, so I no, we don't have anything. Sorry. So, they want information. Now, this guy's interesting. They want a deposition from Justin Cooper. He's a former aide to Bill Clinton who reportedly had no security clearance and is believed to have played a key role in setting up the non-governmental email system. So, why is Justin Cooper setting up... <laughs> Who is Justin Cooper? Where does he come from? Um, so uh, what else do we have here? Uh, John Hackett, who was responsible for executing the Freedom of Information Act request. A lot of people you haven't heard of, but a lot of people who hold a lot of clout on the bureaucratic side of everything uh, and what they could have done to get uh, to to basically stonewall any uh, uh, freedom of information act requests that would throw Hillary Clinton and other Clinton people under the bus that's basically what's going on here and get this stroke said in his deposition was it his deposition or was it a, just questioning uh he said that Clinton lawyers struck a deal to block FBI access to the Clinton Foundation emails. Well, hot dog, how did that happen? Call me. Under questioning, this is from Fox News, under questioning from Judicial Committee General Counsel Zachary Summers, Stroke acknowledged that Clinton's private personal email servers contain a mixture of emails related to the Clinton Foundation. Ooh, commingling inf <laughs> Her work as Secretary of State and other matters. Uh, Summers asked, were you given access to the Clinton Foundation-related emails as part of the investigation? And Stroke said, we were not. We did not have access. My recollection is that the access to those emails were based on consent that was negotiated between the Department of Justice Attorneys and Counsel for Clinton. 
And he also added that there was a significant filter team that was employed by the FBI to work through the various terms of the various consent agreements. According to the attorneys, we lacked probable cause to get a search warrant for those servers and projected that either it would take a very long time. Oh, gosh. And, or it would be impossible to get to the point where we could obtain probable cause to get a warrant. So what he's saying is that the Clintons negotiated with the FBI and the Department of Justice to say, uh-uh, you can't look at any emails that involve the Clinton Foundation. And then they dragged their feet and said, oh, well, we couldn't bear to investigate anything with the Clinton Foundation. It would just take so long, and we don't have the time. We only have limited resources to get this under control. And we don't just, just, darn it, we don't have it. It's not available at this time. Please. Please. Bullshit. While Clinton, it goes on, the IB Times. I mean, clearly the Clinton Foundation was a pay-to-play scheme. $151 billion in Pentagon-brokered deals to 16 countries occurred. And all of those countries donated to the Clinton Foundation. A 145% increase in completed sales to those nations that donated... To the Clinton Foundation. And this was a 145% increase uh, based on uh, George Bush numbers prior to Obama. I mean, honestly, let's let's stop here. Come on. Let's let's be honest, right? There was a $145 million donation to the foundation from parties linked to Uranium One, and then magically that happens uh, where Russia bought a large amount of America's uranium. <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay, yeah, that, that works. Anyway, what are we up? How long have I been doing it? Oh, wow. Over an hour. So I'm, I guess I'm getting the Beto then. Uh, one last thing. Joe Biden. Suspected pederast Joe Biden. Trump called. He said, I made a gaffe. Oh, boy. Uncle Joe, once again, putting his foot in his mouth. I didn't really mean to say that I was running in the 2020 election. It just it just appeared that way. Biden told an audience, I get criticized by the new left. I have the most progressive record of anybody running for uh, office, anybody who would run. And he said that essentially, no, I really didn't mean to run. And of course, Trump took the moment to tweet about it. Joe Biden got tongue-tied over the weekend when he was unable to properly deliver a very simple line about his decision to run for president. Get used to it. Another low IQ individual. <laughs> He's fucking right. He's right about that. Okay. On to Beto. Now, Beto isn't the little fuzzy neo-Obamaite that everyone would like him to be. He was part of a, of a hacking group. And he drove, I think he drove drunk. He got arrested. And now you've got feminists out there. 
being throwing their arms up in the air. How come nobody is giving the same coverage to female candidates? How come Beto is getting all the coverage? Where was Elizabeth Warren's coverage? Beto goes out there and one one time and he's got all the networks at his beck and call. I'll tell you why. Because Beto's wife's family's estate is worth over $500 million. That's why. And I'm sure it's worth way more than that. If it's not, then they've got plenty of friends that would make it over $500 million. So, I mean, Beto is a—he's a putz. He's an airhead. Oddly enough, on May fifth, nineteen eighty-eight, May Day. Right, let that sink in. Uh, five five eight eight is—you've got occult numbers involved here. Uh, May fifth is um, an occult uh, ritual date. I forgot exactly what... I believe it's Walpurgis Noct. Uh, that may be the end... Or the culmination of Walpurgis Noct, uh, which is a sacrifice that they do uh, to bring... To, to ball, to God of Fire, and whatever else. You know, it's it's just more horseshit, child-abusing pedophilia, and all this other nonsense. So, Beto, in those days, used to go under the nom de plume of psychedelic warlord. And he was a very he was a poet. And he did know it. <clears throat> Pardon me. I shall finish the Cafe Americans podcast for this couple of days by reading you Robert Francis Beto O'Rourke's poem. <clears throat> called or entitled The Song of the Cow. I hope everyone is sitting down. I need a butt shine right now. You are holy, O oh sacred cow. I thirst for you. Provide milk. Buff my balls. Love the cow. Good fortune for those that do. Love me. Breathe my feet. The cow has risen. Wax my ass. Scrub my balls. The cow has risen. Provide milk. Oh, milky wonder. Sing for us once more. Live your life. Everlasting joy. Thrust your hooves up my analytic passage. Enjoy my fruits. Provider of cheese and other wonderful dairy products. We will cleanse your inner intestines. We will bathe in your pungent odor. Gather cotton. Count my eyes. Smell my skin. Love the scarecrow and the milkman. I live only for eternity. Thirst for the undrinkable. Hold the heat. Praise the doughboy at the pizza shop. Love the oxen dung. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, that is the poetic stylings of your next president. If... <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't say next. Your presidential hopeful on the left. Uh, and how do you like that? I never read the poem before, and I did all of that in one shot. This is why I am a broadcasting professional through and through. This is what I should be doing. It is my life's calling to, to perform for you bullshit such as this. <laughs> Buff my balls. Wax my ass. Scrub my balls. Provide milk.
I love the line about thrusting hooves up my analytic passage and enjoy my fruits. <laughs> what he's really talking about here, being that he is the psychedelic warlord, and he released this poem on May 5th, um, it is not... It, all right, so he was he's part of he was part of a group, a hacking group, uh, called I believe it was the Cult of the Dead Cow, the CDC or something like that. But what a lot of people don't know is that he's not referring to cow C O W. He's referring to the sacred cow C H A O, which is chaos. So he is part of a basically. A, he or he was i don't know if he still is he's almost part of an anarchist organization using <laughs> didn't think i'd know that did you you fucking moron so he's part of an uh, of an anarchist organization he's most likely uh, he's most likely part of the discordian society and the discordian society really came to being after the Illuminatus trilogy was published by Robert Anton Wilson and Robert Shea, two people that were on the editorial boards of Playboy magazine during the 70s and 80s. I think mostly the 70s. Not sure about the 80s. So this is and so this is where it's really and they are around. You can still find the Discordians. They're out there. They're on the fringes, but they're basically anarchists or extreme libertarians. You know how you can tell whether or not you've shown up at the anarchist meeting? Uh, nobody else is there. Because anarchism, in its true form, is true free will. I mean, there are no rules to anarchism. You show up or you don't show up. And that's, that's true anarchism. It's not blowing up buildings with Molotov cocktails. So there you go. Robert Francis Beto O'Rourke was most likely an anarchist discordian. And he wrote this magnificent poem, The Song of the Cow, by <laughs> on May 5th. The sacred cult day of sacrifices to bring, you know, whatever. All right, so that's it for me. I have been your host, or I am your host, your constant host, Chris. Uh, you can listen to the Cafe Americaine podcast on Podbean, Stitcher, and iTunes. You can also find me on my other podcast called Resonance. Tune in to On The Wake Up Radio, and you can listen to them on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, and also YouTube. Finally... Be on the lookout over the next couple of months because I may be expanding my podcasting network and going on to another uh, website, if not another network altogether, contributing to them and creating or recreating another show that many of you fondly remember as The Soapbox. That's it for me. You've been listening to the Cafe Americaine Podcast.